Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. A few things to discuss in this one. James Harden, a surprising ranking in ESPN's top 100 list for the upcoming season. Also going to touch on which team had the best offseason so far in the East and the West. And the latest news on Robert Sarver, the current Suns owner who was suspended. He was also fined $10 million, suspended for a season. He made a decision right now. Not surprising, given everything that happened, but some of his comments, eh, a little bit sketchy. We'll break that down as well. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, Jackson, I feel like we've been only doing this every six weeks since the offseason, but you're one of the people behind the magic we see at the Liberty Ballers website. Uh, Jackson Frank, of course. First off, how has the offseason been for you? And again, how happy have you been that you haven't had to hear my voice for six weeks? <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't been good. I'm getting a little antsy now, but uh, you know, it was a nice, nice. It's been a nice three months or so to recharge after a lot of enjoyable, but you know, uh, hard work. So, but I'm feeling good. I'm excited. You know, we got you got less than a month until the games actually count again. We're in that we're in that dead space. You know, the WNBA season's over. The NBA hasn't kicked off training camp or preseason, so it's we're officially you know Eurobasket's over now too. So we're really in the uh, the, the heat of uh, or I guess you know, the basement of, of the, uh, the off season when it comes to basketball. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's always interesting because it, it's weird. The NBA off season feels like it extended by such a long time because we had the Kevin Durant stuff. We had the Donovan Mitchell thing going on and obviously KD ended up staying in Brooklyn Mitchell now with the Cavs. So that felt like it gave us a lot of news and a lot of coverage that we could talk about. And then, like you mentioned, we've just been in this like three week, two to three week lull here where it's like, oh, what do we really talk about? So I'm glad the, the Sixers kicking off training camp next week. Uh, they'll have media day on Monday in Philly before heading to Charleston uh, for their training camp there. But wanting to jump into a few things coming out, ESPN released its annual NBA player rankings going into the new season. Tobias Harris came in at 56, Tyrese Maxey all the way up to number 44 at on, on ESPN's list. But James Harden coming in at number 11, and we saw some people acting a little bit surprised by this, given that Harden did struggle a little bit after the trade last offseason. He's ranked ahead of guys like Kawhi Leonard, ahead of guys like Jimmy Butler, uh, Trey Young. When you saw these rankings come out, did you think they had it right with Harden, or did you think he was a little bit higher than where he should have been uh you know i i i didn't you know i haven't really bothered to like kind of fret over these rankings um that's kind of what they're designed to do and i just i generally view basketball in a different way than a lot of these espn panelists but i was a little surprised and this isn't to necessarily indict and i don't know if es the people who i think it was over like 200 people have done these rankings on espn i don't know if they were the ones that were kind of you know pushing this this concept but there was a lot of this idea that harden was washed and and what and that's not to say that he wasn't he hadn't regressed from you know where it was a year or two ago but that was kind of the prevailing narrative 
So for a big media outlet like ESPN to say they think he could be the 11th best player next season was a little surprising. Again, I, mean, I don't know if these are the same people that were, you know, saying they, they were down on him last year, but um, I think it's a, it's a fine spot, you know, to be, you know, you and I have talked, you know, whether it was last season or, you know, a couple of times this off season that I think it's, it's, it's plausible that Harden, you know, a full off season of health could, could get back to kind of where he was prior to his injury two years ago when he was with the Nets. Uh, and that wasn't quite MVP level, but it was very much an all NBA caliber guy. And that's what, you know, the 11th best player in a given year would, would qualify as, right. You're not going to, you're not going to give him MVP votes, but he's a guy that you're, you're strongly considering for an all NBA spot. So um, higher than I expected, probably a little higher than I would have him, but certainly an outcome that I think is plausible. He's able to get back to where he was, you know, when he was traded the nets and was this awesome facilitator who could pick and choose his spots when he needed the score, but he didn't have to be that dominant score, which, you know, he won't have to be next year, you know, with, with them being the reigning scoring champ, you know, still in the fold. So uh, a little higher than I expected, like I said, but certainly, you know, an outcome that I, that I can foresee, but maybe, not quite where I would rank him, but you know, I, I think it's you know we're, we're splitting hairs. If I had, what is going to happen, fifteen or sixteen or something like that, it's a very you know fluid kind of ranking right there. Yeah, I think the top 15, 20 guys all will have some sort of claim towards being an All NBA talent. You know, given the, given the fact that the league is so deep and we have different guys on on different teams, but even with with Harden looking at his situation. I think Tyrese Maxey is going to take a leap as a scorer this year. I think obviously you have Joel Embiid, who ESPN hasn't shown us where he's ranked, presumably going to be in the top three to five. Uh, I would venture to guess. But looking at at Harden himself, when you when you look at going into next season, given all the talent that the Sixers added this offseason, bringing in PJ Tucker, Daniel House, bringing in DeAnthony Melton in the, in the draft night trade with Memphis, when you look at the expectations for him next season, Jackson, do you like, would you be happy? Let's just say if his scoring dipped, but his assist numbers went up, like what are you looking for, for from him in terms of, okay, he did exactly what the Sixers needed him to do. Well, I think it's what I've talked about, you know, whether it was on this podcast or, you know, other places written about it. I think it's just about him being able to tap in to the game for James Harden. We saw against Miami or the one we saw against Milwaukee, Right where he doesn't have to be the thirty point per game score, but there are going to be nights where maybe the defense is better equipped to slow Embiid or Maxi or even you know Tobias is off from three, and they're going to need Harden to be that guy who can step up a little bit as a scorer. We know what his facilitating is going to be. It was awesome from day one last year. The Sixers, it's been awesome for what feels like a decade at this point. He's gotten even better, I think. You know, even since his MVP days there, but he just can't be a guy where it's like we remember every single big scoring explosion from him. Right? It's just got to be. So it's got to be a thing that he can always tap into, but doesn't always have to, right? So that's that's what I'm looking for. He could average roughly the same amount of points he did last year with the Sixers, maybe a couple more, but just just one of those things where he's able to vary his approach based on the defensive personnel with the sorts of games that his, you know, quote-unquote co-stars are having. Of course, you know, Max isn't quite an all-star. Tobias hasn't been there, but the other key players in that starting lineup, you know, what they can do as scorers and, and creators, so... Um, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for more than any sort of specific, you know, scoring output, you know, an average. Jackson mentioned the offseason the Sixers had bringing in all of these talented wing guys, which we know after seeing them lose to Miami and six again, always debatable because Joel and B did miss the first two games of that series. But when you look at the offseason, the Sixers had and looking around the NBA as well, which other team? the moves that they made, which, which teams do you look at and say, wow, that team made significant upgrades this off season. And they they look like they're either going to, you know, climb a tier, whether it's a team like the Celtics adding Malcolm Brogdon 
obviously losing Danilo Gallinari hurts there, but this, uh, you know, they've solidified themselves as, as a legit championship contender, likely the favorite in the East going into the regular season. But you look at some of these moves, these team made the Cavs adding Donovan Mitchell, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, adding them to adding him to a crew of Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland. Like when you look around the NBA in both conferences, which teams stick out to you that are particularly strong off season? Yeah, I think a handful of teams to get. Obviously, Boston, as you mentioned, it's unfortunate with the Gallinari news. And, you know, obviously the news earlier this week of Robert Williams, you know, might miss a little bit of the season with that, that unfortunately lingering knee injury. Um, you know, but I think they had a very good offseason. You know, you would hope that Robert Williams can make a quick return. Um, you know, if he can, there's certainly there certainly have a hole in the front court. Um, they don't have a lot of depth behind, you know, behind him and Horford. And then you have small with Grant Williams. But um, you know, the Cavs, as you mentioned, of course, but I looked at some teams in the, in the West, uh, and for kind of a variety of reasons, you know, obviously Minnesota, Lanny, Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, even signing out like Kyle Anderson to, to not necessarily replace what Gian Vanderbilt brought, but them that defensive minded four, right. So, and that, those are two really good moves. You know, you get a, you know, a guy who's won three defensive player of the years and, and a guy who was an awesome lob threat, you know, and, you know, has made small NBA teams. That's, that's a huge get. Uh, I look at a couple of teams that also made big improvements in not in the sense that necessarily their, their off seasons were incredible, but you look at the Clippers, right? They're going to get Paul George mm-hmm. back. You know, he played a little bit toward the end of the season, but obviously missed that game against the Wolves in the play-in. They're going to get Kawhi back. Uh, the Pelicans are in line to get Zion Williamson, you know, who was a top 20 ish player the last time we saw him on the floor or he's having a top 20 season. You can maybe put him lower than that if you'd like, but um, that's where it was as a sophomore, in my opinion. That's a huge one. The Nuggets, you know, I think the Nuggets, aside from the Donna Jordan signing, which I don't think most people uh, were, were supportive <laughs> of, made some really nice moves. Um, even even you know disregarding Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back healthy, you know, landing a Bruce Brown in free agency, a really nice defender and cutter who should pair well with with Jokic, getting a three and D wing like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, I think those are really nice moves. So those are those are some teams that that kind of strike me as having the best off seasons, of course. You know, we look at offseason differently, but I do think the fact that teams like the Pelicans and the Clippers are getting stars slash superstars back uh, and even the Nuggets getting some guys back, you know, borderline stars. I would say Murray's kind of right there. And in, in Michael Porter Jr. last time we saw him was a high level starter, at least time with last time we saw him healthy, um, you know, was in that range. So those are the teams that come to mind for me as having the the best off seasons. But then in a kind of a different light, I think, you know, I think of teams like Detroit, who had a really nice you know, uh, draft, you know, acquiring guys that make sense next to Kate Cunningham, the magic acquiring a guy like Paolo Bancaro. So um, it's all about kind of what exactly that team is looking to do. And and so I think of these these rebuilding teams is really adding and solidifying their young cores and also having good offices, but obviously not to the degree of we're not talking about deep playoff runs or championship cores, not at this point yet. No, but you're you're right. I mean, I, I love the moves that Orlando made. I love what the Pistons did as well. I think the one team that really is going to be awful next season, like unwatchable, is, is the Pacers, although I love Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I do think they're not going to be very fun to watch. But the Knicks, uh, you know, Wizards, Bradley Beal, obviously in Washington there. I think those are kind of those middle of the run, 33 to 38 win teams. But looking around at the, at the rest of the league, like OKC, I was super bummed, Jackson, that Chet Holmgren got hurt because I thought he was going to win Rookie of the Year. I, I love the way he plays his game. I think even though he's so slender in, in terms of his frame, I don't think that was going to hurt him just with the way he plays, the way he could defend on the perimeter. But you look around the league, like 
for you as a guy who, who loves the game of basketball too, how exciting is it going, going into this season where you look at the Eastern Conference? Obviously, we mentioned the, the Sixers and the Celtics. Miami's going to be very good again. Milwaukee with Chris Middleton back in the fold and maybe would have been in the finals had Middleton not got hurt in the second round last season. But then you got the Cavs ready to make a step. The Hawks added DeJounte Murray. Brooklyn, who we expected was going to be without Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving have, have those guys back in the fold. Like you look around at the league and, and that, look at the Western conference before I even ask you that, but you got golden state, the defending champ, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond green, an up and coming Jordan pool, more Moses Moody. Like they got all these guys who are going to have an impact on what happens this year. The Phoenix suns won 64 games last season, Memphis, you know, with a John Morant potential injury away from winning a championship. You, you said the nuggets with, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray coming back in the fold and adding the guys they did. Minnesota is going to take a leap. Like when you look around, how many teams do you think at this point? Because I think the rosters are pretty much well set going into camp now. What, like, how many teams do you think are capable of winning a championship going into next season? And that's a good shout on Atlanta. I, I that's a, a, a I just forgot to include them. Obviously, getting an All Star and Johnson Murray is a really nice nice yeah. offseason. There's just so many good teams. You're going to all yeah. gloss over some. You know what um, I mean? I think in terms of like that I could plot. I mean, I think there's a difference between like a likely title contender and a plausible title contender. I think the, the latter is a much wider range just because things happen and you just, the NBA is just an incredibly unpredictable landscape. Um, but I think in terms of like plausible contenders right now, I would have, you know, golden state, Denver, the Clippers. Um, I don't know if I'm quite there with Memphis. They lost some depth and, you know, unfortunately they've got Jaron Jackson, you know, still coming back from a stretch fracture. He's supposed to be back late October or sometime between late October and, and late December um, Phoenix. I don't just, I just don't think they're going to be quite there next year. Um, so I think I would include, you know, my big three in the West would be golden state, Denver and, and the Clippers. And then I think in the East, you know, I would have Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia right there with Cleveland and Miami close behind, but just not quite in that tier. But I think you're looking at about, you know, you're sort of, uh, probably about six to seven, I think it's six teams technically, you know, that I would say are likely contenders. But then I think if you go plausible to make a deep run to say final four, because I think if you get to the final four, you at least have some sort of chance to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at closer to 12 to 15 teams, you know, maybe Minnesota really clicks and Anthony Edwards takes a big leap and, and, and Gobert and Cat are this really awesome duo on both ends. Maybe Scotty Barnes takes a leap, Pascal even improves again. Fred Van Vliet stays healthy all year and that's a team that's in the running. Um, Brooklyn for all of its weirdness, you know, does have a lot of talent and a really good roster on paper. So maybe they put it together, um, Cleveland, Miami, you know, uh, uh, you know, Memphis, Phoenix. Like, I think there's a lot of teams that I can foresee, you know, being a legit contender, but in terms of likelihood, I think the number is a little smaller, but still pretty, pretty wide. I don't, I don't want to be too narrow-minded on the narrow-minded on these things because I said a lot of janky things happen, you know, between now and Mm -hmm. next June. And so, I don't want to rule things out and, you know, uh, be too, like I said, too, too closed off to the idea of certain you know things occurring. Yeah, of course. And, and like you mentioned, things are going to change significantly between now and April as we get into the playoffs, because there's going to be injuries, there's going to be movement. And some of these teams that we're looking at, like, oh, they're going to be very good, might struggle, right? Because of the depth in, in both conferences. You mentioned a team like the Pelicans. If Zion can stay healthy, New Orleans, it's got Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, all these young guys that if they take a step, 
the Pelicans could be right there in terms of being in the top six and guaranteeing themselves a playoff spot. So I think it's going to be really interesting and it's fun for us. You know what I mean? Like you, you have NBA league pass. You don't want to miss a game at this point because you're going to see these quality teams match up throughout the regular season. So I think this year uh, tough for, uh, and I'll, I'll say this tough for me to see a team winning 60 games. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, certainly plausible but you look at a team like the the nuggets or sorry the the suns last year who were an absolute juggernaut in the regular season and they still only won 64 which is not to say 64 is not some mm-hmm. gaudy number and a testament to how good the suns were in the regular season but even that i mean i just i don't it's hard for me to see a team playing like that just just because i, I think the suns were so good at maximizing the regular season but I think they left some stuff on the table that didn't quite have them ready for the postseason to a degree. And so uh, I would tend to agree with you that, like, I just, I think it's just generally probably a prudent bet to not expect anything to win 60 because that's a really, really hard accomplishment. And we're seeing teams use the regular season more and more as a breeding ground of experimentation for things that might work or not work in the playoffs and whatnot. So uh, I would be surprised if a team wins 60, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. Not that you're saying that, but I, I tend to agree with you. Um, that 60 seems like a lofty number this year, just given where we are. We only had one last year, and you would expect the Suns to likely not prioritize the regular season. I know they missed, they had some guys out last year at times. Chris Paul missed some time, Aiton, even Booker, but um, I just can't see them even, you know, treating the regular season the same way they did last year. And they were the only team last year that did win, you know, 60 plus. Yeah. And you you mentioned the Suns, you know, bring it back, Aiden, and, and run it back with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, like you said. Uh, definitely going to be a force in the Western Conference, but lots of off-court news involving Phoenix. We'll jump into that, Jackson, after a short break. Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at Clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, and we are back. Wanting to talk about what happened with Robert Sarver. Baxter Holmes did a great in-depth piece on this whole thing involving Sarver earlier in the year, I believe it was this year, maybe even late last season. I, I don't quite remember, but they were discussing the fact that uh, basically a lot of toxicity in the workplace for, for Phoenix Suns employees uh, around Robert Sarver, who's a majority owner there. Eventually the league did its own investigation based off Baxter Holmes's work, suspended him one year, fined him $10 million. Everybody thought, okay, you know, maybe that'll be the end of it. Some people were a little bit surprised Jackson that the NBA didn't push Robert Sarver out the door and say like, you know, similar to the, what happened with Donald Sterling with the Clippers, but with Sterling, it was a bit different because they had things on tape. Now, interesting this morning and recording this on a Wednesday, Sarver came out with a statement saying, and I'm quoting here, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, 
and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by the things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. When you saw this quote come out from Robert Server, which again to me is so friggin' tone deaf and coming from an older white man who just thinks that because I believe in atonement and saying the right things, even though your actions aren't aligned. Jackson, when you read that, what did you think about Sarver's reaction to this, wanting to sell the team now and wanting to move forward from the NBA? Well, I, I just I just don't think it shows a genuine level of remorse for his racist, misogynistic and abusive actions in the workplace. If you're, if you're trying, if your statement basically couches yourself as a victim, despite you not being the victim, I don't think you fully understand the magnitude of your actions and the people you hurt. And it's just a, I mean, you see it all the time, right? Whether it's a celebrity or someone, you know, someone getting, you know, what's, I don't know what, what canceled is the buzzword, but someone getting, I guess, held accountable for their actions. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. they tend to like, they, they tend to push back on these things. So it's, it's not surprising, but it is nonetheless, you know, disappointing. He just really doesn't seem to understand what exactly he did wrong and whatnot. Uh, I think I saw some, some tweet or a message or something like that. Like, I think like atonement and forgiveness or something don't have to go hand in hand. And like, like maybe you're part of your working your way back through this entire thing is having to sell is feeling the pressure to sell your team. And um, at the same time, it is unfortunate that like he still is going to make a, a lot of money from, uh -huh. from, from this, but yeah, it's just, it, I'm not surprised by the, the, the comment at well, uh, comment at all, but uh, I will say I, I do want to, first commend all the brave employees who you know were were willing to speak about this and get get the get get the league involved and you know get get the investigation going um they deserve all the you know all the love and praise in the world for that and also you know secondarily is to people like you know chris paul and lebron and draymond who came out with very strong statements you know basically asking for the you know, Alistina of Robert Sarver and the NBPA um, executive director. I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but she went on. I should find that. I want to get her name correct here, but um, she went on NBA today earlier this week. And, you know, she speaks on the behalf of the players and, and said that, you know, um, the players, their wishes are for, you know, him not to have a whole position of influence. Um, uh, I guess that was last week, but her name is Tamika Chamaglio. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. Mm -hmm. I just want to get her name out there. I think she was very stern and concise in stating the the MBPA's position. So um, kudos to all of them, you know, everyone involved there, you know, with the league. And then, like I said, first and foremost, the the employees are willing to come forward and you know risk you know their own safety and their own you know their own I guess livelihood. So um, you know, I don't know if this doesn't change everything necessarily, um, but it is at least you know somewhat. I don't know if comfort is the right word, you know, because I'm not the person who was you know directly affected by this, but it is. You know, I at least feel you know a little better for those those people, and I commend the, them and then as, as like I said, the players as well. But yeah, the statement itself not surprising. It just is the way it's going to be. It seems like with people like this. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned you know with with the fact that the employees came out and stepped up. You know, him using the n word, him being you know making sexual remarks to female employees and stuff like that. It's like don't feel so, too sorry for the guy. Don't feel too bad because he bought the team for four hundred million. Uh, back from the Colangelo's, the value of the Suns right now, the latest value we got from Forbes, $1.7 billion. So yeah, don't don't feel too, too bad uh, for Robert Sarver being being basically punished for his actions. And you look around the league too, Jackson, and, and Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, caught a, little, a lot of flack for 
hey, you know, why wasn't he given the same treatment that that Donald Sterling was previously with the Clippers? And like I mentioned, they actually had an audio recording of this of this happening. And that's not to discredit any of the Suns employees who came and spoke out concerning the stuff that was happening in the workplace there in, in Phoenix in terms of what kind of language Sarver was using, the way he was making certain female employees and I'm sure male employees as well at the same time feel. But when, when you look at, at at how he reacted to it, and I mentioned, because I, I hate that line, the, the opening line of his statement, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. And I always felt, and this is a personal thing, I'm not trying to turn this political or anything like that. And if you disagree with me, feel free to tweet me. You can tweet me at jazzgang21 and we can get into a, a informed discussion about it, not into a bickering Twitter thing, <laughs> as you well know what happens, Jackson. But, you know, hearing that, it's like, basically the attitude has been, we should be able to do what we want as long as we maybe just apologize for it, ask God for forgiveness, and then we could just move on the next day. There's no real change. And, and when you look at, at the league and the job Adam Silver has done in terms of trying to clean things up, and you mentioned guys like Chris Paul, guys like LeBron James, who have spoken out and said, hey, we don't we don't want this type of work environment for a league that is obviously vastly and predominantly African-American players. When you look at the future of this league, do you think we're going to start to see a little bit more movement towards, I don't want to say what's right, but towards trying to do things the correct way and, and treating people with respect and treating people kindly? Or do you think that, that these kind of things are still going to pop up given the current board of governors that we have in the league? Yeah, I, I would love to be optimistic, but I think like the my interpretation of why Silver was so tepid on both his comments or i would say his actions and his comments explain those actions is because you know his job is to you know represent the owners and i my worry is that i think phoenix is not the only place that is engaging in non-ideal labor practices and so that's why the owners don't want to you know oust they weren't pushing to oust sarver because i think there's at least a sect of them you know, that they're maybe, you know, aware of similar, if not, you know, not to maybe the same degree of egregiousness, mm -hmm. but like, you know, maybe the, the lower level workers, just general employees aren't, I mean, maybe even players aren't being, you know, treated fairly. And so that's kind of my cynical view on things. So I, I would love for this to be, you know, a watershed moment. And, you know, we, we get to a place where everyone within the league is, is given the ideal, you know, treatment as, as workers and laborers and employees, but I do remain fairly cynical, but, and, and so, but I, I would at least hope that at least in Phoenix now, there's a watchful eye over things and, and there's a, a drive to rectify the workplace culture and, and whatnot. I would hope that that spreads across the league, but I, I do have a tough time that just because of the way that Sarver handled it. Even if you want to explain, if you don't want to justify it by saying Sarver probably expected or silver, excuse me, expected public pressure to, you know, move Sarver to, to sell, I don't know, it just is a frustrating place to be because of how, uh, you know, tepid Silver's actions and comments were revolving around this. It didn't seem as though he, you know, it felt like he was kind of not necessarily locked up with Sarver, but, you know, maybe sided more with him, unfortunately. But I would I would I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident this this spurs any sort of significant change, unfortunately. Yeah, we and we have to be mindful, too, for Adam Silver to do his job, which is separate from his personal beliefs, is that he represents the Board of Governors and, and the and the owners. And so I think he has to tightrope it. I do think he's done a, a much better job. I really like David Cern in terms of the business aspect of it. I also don't and I'm not saying he was a bad guy or anything, but I think looking back at his era, um, he wasn't really as into the social justice aspect of the job and getting into that. So again, I, I do think Silver's done a decent job, but like you said, I think 
doesn't inspire a lot of confidence going forward um, in terms of what we're going to see from the league in these types of situations. Also wanted to ask you this, Jackson, we'll wrap up on it. Ramona Shelburne of ESPN. Here's the three people that she listed as potential Suns owners right now. Jeff Bezos, obviously from the Amazon fame. Laureen Jobs, she was the spouse of Steve Jobs uh, up until 2011 there. And Larry Ellison, who's also just a rich dude who has a ton of money. Again, Jeff Bezos, probably not the best moral. Like if you're looking at, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let, let's uh, let's uh, go from Robert Sarver to Jeff Bezos. But when, when you're looking at that, like, is there somebody out of those three that you look at? Like, that would be my choice right now, Jackson. No, I, I don't. I don't know anything <laughs> about them. And I generally can't say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of of rich folks, especially egregiously rich folks. So I don't know. But I would agree that. You know, Bezos, given some of their, you know, the news that we know about some of the Amazon workplace culture uh, for some of those workers, I, I don't think that would be a, <laughs> a good move. So I don't know. I, you know, I just hope whoever they choose, even if it's not someone who I, you know, find morally upstanding, is just going to at least create a, a culture of, you know, where the laborers can feel comfortable. And, you know, I'm, I don't expect everything to be great. But yeah, Bezos would certainly not be my choice. But like I said, whoever it is, I just hope that the people that are working within the Suns organization or under this owner, uh, you know, they they feel valued and respected and fairly compensated. So whoever that is, whoever can do that job would be my pick. But I I don't know enough about any any of these. It's not something that I I feel is worth my 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 investment. <laughs> my I can't pick a pick a choice there. But like I said, just just want to make sure that everyone who's in these jobs, you know, is is treated fairly, both you know, as a professional and, and a human. Yeah, it's funny, Jackson, right? Like I said, like we went from, hey, you know what? This guy doesn't treat this guy doesn't treat his his employees well um, to, hey, let's let's bring in Jeff Bezos as a guy. Who, yeah, that, that really we're talking about tone deaf. That would probably be a tone deaf <laughs> by the, the league and the sun. So hopefully that's, you know, hopefully that's not the pick that they they make. Well, Jackson, the good news is next week at this time, we'll be talking more about actually on court stuff. We'll be talking about training camp, uh, hearing from the team and, and getting some intel as well from the reporters from the uh, practices, the limited amount of practices they'll be able to see out in South Carolina. So we'll be doing this regularly on Wednesdays going forward throughout the season. Uh, it's good talking to you after six weeks. And and like I said, get used to hearing my annoying cackling voice for the, for the next little while while we do this. But uh, always appreciate having you on and uh, looking forward to doing this again soon. Yeah, of course. Six weeks will be four or five games in the, the six-year season. So uh, and if, I'm sure we'll talk much more than six weeks apart. But uh, I'm looking forward to the, ne- the, the next six-week uh time period because we'll have lots of basketball to analyze and, and discuss thank god jackson i don't want to talk about jeff bezos anymore as well so it'll be, it'll be pretty <laughs> absolutely <good. laughs> all right that's jackson frank you can catch his work on our website liberty ballers also follow him on twitter at jack frank underscore jjf that'll do it for this episode as i mentioned off the top don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network we're on apple Podcasts, spotify you name it we are there and of course check us out at libertyballers.com <laughs>